Hi, this is NFL Network's Patrick Claibon welcoming you to another episode of the 4th and Out podcast. It's the best podcast. Well, yeah, I'll say it. It's the best podcast in the world because you are listening to it right now. It's in your ears and you hear me and I'm telling you it's the best. You could be listening to any podcast in the world, but you're not. You're listening to the 4th and Out because, well... The universe has decided to give you this, this opportunity to hear a fantastic podcast. So continue on the path that life is set you and enjoy the fourth and out podcast. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the fourth and out podcast with me, George Evans. Uh, joining me again this week, there's still no Ollie or Liam Whiting, but I've got the delight of Liam Bojas being back. Liam, you all right? Yeah, thank you for having me yet again, four in a row, hey? Four in a row, mate. How are you, how are you finding it? Yeah, nice. No, all good fun. All good fun. Good to, uh, yeah, just good to chat some football. Good to have it back. And um, yeah, hope to be uh, previewing another Ravens win. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's the reason, obviously, just throwing it back to the start why me and Liam started this podcast in the first place. It just kind of breaks your week up. It's good to chat some football. Back then, we had no football to talk about. So it is kind of nice to, it just takes your mind off things, doesn't it? It just it just makes you feel good and gets you excited about the weekend. Yeah. And when we're all over the country and, well, you know, previous, went long ago, we were all over the world between us friends. Like, it's um, yeah, a good way of staying in touch. Yeah, that's it. And we've all got the mutual love of the um, NFL. So, yeah, so it's week three, the week three preview show. It feels like it's gone quickly already. Um, but yeah, we'll, as usual, we'll go through everything from Thursday night football to Monday night football. Um, just having a quick look over the schedule. There's some cracking games that we need to go through and we will go through all 16 of those. Bodge, are you ready? Let's do this. Let's do this indeed. All right, it's Thursday night football. We're recording this on Thursday night, so this game is about five hours away. Um, it is the Houston Texans hosting the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Panthers currently 2-0 and are looking pretty good, and the Texans are frisky at 1-1 and and gave the Browns uh, a nice little, you know, a nice little taste of what they're all about last week. Um, Liam, what do you make of this one? Um, obviously, the big story is no Tyrod Taylor this week. Davis Mills, a rookie in only week three, taking over and not one of your star rookies that you expected to start a week one. So it's going to be a big test for him. Um, but especially against this Panthers D as well, which has arguably been the best in the league so far. Um, yeah, it's definitely a game I can see Carolina winning by a fair few scores. Um, I don't think it's going to be a massive scoring game. That's not the team that the Panthers are. They're not a team that's going to put up 40 or 50 points every week. But they've got the capacity to hold the Texans, certainly to single digits. Um, And yeah, get a few scores on the board and make it a nice, comfortable win by the third quarter. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that um, call about the Carolina defence. PFF has them as their highest graded um, defence, not just in total yards allowed, but um, just, well, pretty much in every metric that they, they measure. They've been quite incredible. Ten sacks already, um, 30-odd quarterback pressures. I mean, Davis Mills couldn't really be walking into a tougher task um, in week three than he is with this uh, Panthers defence. Yeah, absolutely. It's obviously, it comes in two forms. You've got the the front line who are kind of progressing so well and probably better than Panthers fans expected. 
um, that should get to Mills quite quickly against a, aside from Laramie Tunts, were a pretty weak offensive line. But getting past that, you've also got obviously some key players in the secondary and the likes of um, Chin and uh, Dante Jackson as well. So it's it's going to be a tough ask for him. Um, I think he needs to rely on his running backs. I think you could get some good value out of Rex Burkhead this week as a few dumps off, dump-offs. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a tough test for the rookie. Um, and I think it's probably going to be one that he loses in the end. Yeah, I agree. I think it's so important to get this running game going early for the Texans because, you know, obviously it depends on the Panthers play as well. If, if they go up two touchdowns, you start to have to pass the ball more. But, you know, if they get possession, you've got to start using those running backs. You've got Ingram, you've got Lindsay, you've got Burkhead, as you say. Because um, Davis Mills, he's not a rushing quarterback from what I've seen in. Uh, pre-season he really is kind of Mac Jones pocket passer so you know he'll be looking at Brandon Cooks a lot who's as we said in the last show is now looking at a legitimate wide receiver one um, so yeah he's gonna have a really tough task but just on the other side of the ball the Panthers have started really well this season and um, a really impressive win against the Saints in week two Darnold looks fantastic and you'd be looking for him to exploit what is quite a weak secondary for the Texans Absolutely. Um, I saw a stat earlier for the first two weeks of the season. Uh, he's put up the most amount of yards uh, in the first half of games. So they're clearly coming out of the traps quickly and against a team that's probably struggled to going to struggle to keep hold of the ball for, uh, and get first downs a lot. It's probably something they can chew up the clock. They can get the passes going to McCaffrey and to Anderson and to Moore. Um, obviously, get the running game going as well. Um, Chuba Hubbard is a player that we haven't spoken about yet, but seems to be a rookie that's coming along quite well and quite liked by uh, the guys in Carolina. So, yeah, it's. I think they'll come out of the come out of the gates pretty quickly and kind of get a few quick scores on the board. Probably get a couple of turnovers as well with a rookie going in. Um, and yeah, I think this is probably going to be one of those games, but by the time it kind of gets to two-thirds of the way through the game, it's only ever heading in one direction. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's not a Thursday night football for the ages, I don't think. It'll be... It's more interesting to just see how good this this Carolina team is. You know, you kind of want to see them blow out a team like the Texans. Obviously, not if you're a Texans fan, but you just want to see what they can be, whether they can be a team that puts up 40 points or, you know, whether they can be a team that completely shuts down an offense because... You know, I know they limited um, the Saints to just seven points, but I think that was more just due to Winston being Jameis Winston. I want to see them completely just terrorise this this Texans team and, you know, score 40 points and let's just see what they're all about. Because I'm really excited about this Carolina team. I think it's the best team they've had since they reached the Super Bowl. I know that's easy to say after after week two, but previously all they were missing was a, a defence and PFF tells you that, you know, they've got that in the bag now. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's it's both a very likeable team and it's great to get behind the likes of Sam Darnold and Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, both of them had very different struggles uh, last season, but both uh, certainly didn't have the year they wanted to have. So it's good to see them back. It's good to see them both playing well, especially Darnold. Um, obviously, a number two pick back in 2018. Um, expected to be number one, for uh, number three, sorry. Uh, expected to be number one for quite a lot of that. Uh, period leading up to the draft it's finally great to see him get seeing uh, him have the potential um, to really show what he's about yeah no I completely agree and it also shows the uh, benefits of good coaching because Matt Rule looks like a you know top NFL coach whereas previously under Adam Gase he obviously didn't have that 
Mm, absolutely. And I think they've drafted well over the last couple of years as well. It's definitely um, an organisation that after a few years, perhaps of not being where they wanted to be, it's it's a really a team that have turned it around quite quickly after a, a struggle in the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. It'll be an interesting game to watch. Um, all right, let's move on to the six o'clock games on Sunday. So, um, you know, as you know, I use the fixture list on Google. So uh, this is how we professionally do it on the Fourth and Out podcast. But we'll go through the list here. So the first game up is probably my game of the week, or at least every Chargers game is normally my game of the week. Which is, <laughs> Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, LA Chargers. I mean, on paper, this is just mouth-watering to me anyway. You've got Justin Herbert against Patrick Mahomes. You've got um, two incredibly exciting offences. And, yeah, obviously a division game as well. I mean, Bodgers, I'm sure it's not just me getting excited about this one. It is, but I'm also strangely a bit underwhelmed by both of them so far. It's been a Chargers team that has put up quite a lot of yardage obviously got uh, quite a lot of scores but it's it, they've kind of just not really been clinical enough um and they, right, they were unlucky got, last week you got to say with the penalties they were they were unlucky but it's very charging thing to do i guess it's yeah i mean i'd expect them to be a little bit better on defense as well um, obviously with the cowboys getting a couple of rushing touchdowns and really dominating on the ground which is not something they've done for a long time so um and on the flip side of that, Casey, obviously off the back of a very disappointing loss in Baltimore Sunday night. Um, you know, they need to get the likes of Tyreek Hill back in the game after he was incredibly quiet. Um, Edwards Hilaire really needs to bounce back off for, for probably what was a play which would have damaged his confidence. Um, and Mahomes, kind of as the game went on, struggled a little bit as well. So I think this is a, a game where both teams really need to make a statement as and um, make themselves obviously less so Casey because we know they've got the quality. But if the Chargers are going to prove themselves as a real candidate this year and, and go deep into the playoffs, this is a game where even if they don't win, they need to really take the Chiefs right down to the last wire. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Tyreek Hill. I think they will have a tough time getting him open because Derwin James is playing some just incredible football at the safety position for the Chargers. He's the number one rate of safety on PFF. And every time you see him, he's, he's just shutting everyone down. And also Asante Samuel, who was their second round pick, is looking like a you know proper stud already. It's a one thing I loved actually, and I know we touched upon it on Tuesday, but I listened to the week two mic'd up um, earlier on today. And Brandon Staley's coaching is he's such a likable guy from what I've seen of him. Um, yeah. You know, he was he was so happy for Asante Samuel getting his first pick last weekend. And it's really a, a guy that the players are going to play for. Um, you know, more of a football term, we've kind of seen like uh, managers lose the dressing room uh, in or in soccer, I should say, on this podcast, maybe. But yeah. um, in the NFL, um, yeah, it's it's more of a thing, really, where the coaches and the players have a better bond. And Brandon Staley, I think, is probably going to be a prime example of that. Yeah, definitely. I think this is this is the perfect game for both teams to see exactly where they are um, on both sides of the ball as well. Because, you know, Kansas City have been suspect on defence um, as well. And they've got a lot to work out still. Their offensive line looks a lot better. Mahomes is getting a lot more time. Um, obviously, they're using Kelsey brilliantly. I've, I'm pretty sure that Travis Kelsey is genuinely undefendable. I, I, I don't know if there's... Um, well, yeah, I mean, I honestly don't know if there's any player that can, you know, just cope with him because we've seen it for years and years now. Yeah, not one-on-one. No chance. It's just, yeah, he's kind of unplayable at the moment. And um, 
you know, Mahomes, has, he's been playing really well. You look at his stat line, you look at the way he plays. He played well against the Ravens. It wasn't, Mahomes wasn't the reason they lost. He, he just, it's that defense that's really costing them. It is, yeah. Um, and I think it's going to be really important to see the likes of Chris Jones and Frank Clark get to Herbert quickly. Obviously, I think we touched upon it in the last couple of weeks, but um, that Chargers offensive line is looking a lot better this season, obviously with uh, investments in the draft and via trades. So it's going to be, I think, and on the other side of that as well, actually, um, Joey Bosa needs to get to Mahomes quickly, obviously, as well. That's kind of a given with any Chiefs matchup. Um, Orlando Brown, uh, obviously big trade over the over the summer with Baltimore, um, has looked consistent if a few dodgy plays. So he needs to kind of make sure he's got Joey Bosa handled because I imagine that's who they're going to target because he's looked probably the weaker link in that Chiefs offensive line. Yeah, definitely. If I had to push you for a uh, prediction in this one. I'm going KC, I think, by uh, by 10 or 12. 10 or 12, I'm going Chargers by three because I, I, well, you know why I love the Chargers. Everyone knows I love the Chargers, but there's something, this is, this to me screams Justin Herbert breakout game. And I, it does, but it also screams, I think, Chiefs aren't losing two in a row. Yeah, that's a good point. But all records break and that record could break um, this Sunday. All right, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Arizona Cardinals. Now, on paper, this one seems like it's already over, like we're giving the win to the Arizona Cardinals. But um, Liam, can you give me any reason to be hopeful for the Jacksonville Jags in this one? Um, <laughs> not really, but... Um, right, you can be honest. Try. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you look at the Vikings um, last weekend, they put up some good yardage against that, that Carol, uh, Cardinals secondary. So, and that's exactly what Trevor Lawrence needs to do as well. It's certainly not a problem with his threats. Um, you know, with the likes of Marvin Jones and DJ Chark, that's a very kind of good one and two wide receiver. Um, obviously, James Robinson's been a little bit of a disappointment so far, needs to get him more involved. But there's definitely potential to score points against this defence. But when Arizona have got the ball is when I think we're really going to see a massive blowout of a game. Yeah, it's hard to imagine that this um, Jaguars defence that, you know, has been pretty much the worst in the league so far through two weeks, is going to be able to stop Kyler Murray, who at the moment is my MVP. Um, and then you've got DeAndre Hopkins, if he plays. I know he's questionable at the moment. but uh, And then you've got Rondell Moore, who looks like a true wide receiver too now in this Cardinals offense, which they were missing last year. Um, you know, he's just coming on leaps and bounds. And then, you know, you've also got Murray with his legs, which is, in my opinion, the toughest play to deal with in the NFL, along with Lamar Jackson for the same reason. I just can't see any way that the Cardinals don't score 40 points and don't completely blow out this Jag team. No, me neither. Um, I know we mentioned pre-pod that DeAndre Hopkins is currently listed as questionable, but we expect him to play. Um, and if he does play, you look at what um, Teddy Bridgewater did with a big wide receiver, big strong wide receiver um, in Courtland and Sutton. He put up over 150 yards. And that's exactly what I probably expect um, DeAndre Hopkins to do this week as well. This feels like a game where it's just going to be a good team bullying a little team. Um, and Hopkins, I think, is going to be a big part of that. Yeah, the one good note about the Jags is that they have managed to, you know, the O-line's been pretty good and Trevor Lawrence has had some decent time in the pocket, which means his inceptions in a way are slightly less excusable because he's been given some good protection. So Arizona need 
you know, Chandler Jones and JJ Watt to get to Trevor Lawrence, something that the Vikings managed to stop last week. And it's important that this defense got, gets back on track because it looked so impressive in week one and then week two, it kind of took a couple of steps back. So this is an important game for them. It is, yeah. And as you mentioned, the fact that Trevor Lawrence has um, kind of been involved in so many turnovers in the first couple of weeks, you'd expect the likes of Chandler Jones and of Isaiah Simmons and others to really um, make an impact on this game and, and keep getting the ball back and giving Kyler Murray a short field, which would just be absolutely disastrous for Jacksonville. So it's it really is a big part of they need to get that um, they need to get that ball back as soon as they can. Yeah, completely agree. I think we're both in agreement that this will be a bit of a blowout. So I don't think we need to spend too much more time on it. But, yeah, um, unfortunately so. Um, one thing I would say is I'd quite like to see Kyler Murray almost get less yards this week. This is a game where he could he can he can easily dominate and control this game. He doesn't need to be going for the big, big plays all the time. This is a game where, you know, I just want to see him cut out the interceptions a little bit and kind of be a little bit more methodical. I know it's not really his game, but I think at the same time if you know, you don't you don't want to be given the Jags a chance really. Just just be clinical, get it over the line, go free and and go back home. Yeah, no, I completely, completely agree there. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, the Chicago Bears at the Cleveland Browns. Um, all right, so Cleveland, they've got a few, you know, got a few problems at wide receiver. It's pretty unclear that um, Odell Beckham's going to play in this one. I think it's highly unlikely that he doesn't. Um, Jarvis Landry's also been ruled out. But the good thing about the Browns is that they've got strength in depth. And also the good thing about the Browns is, you know, they're a running team. And when you've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you know, not just running, but catching passes out of the backfield, even with key, play, uh, key players on wide receiver missing, you still think that this is an offense that's going to move the ball? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think this is probably going to be a good week to be Nick Chubb. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Brown's got a lot of problems uh, with their wide receivers at the moment, um, with their main two probably unlikely to play in this game. Um, and given how good the Bears' secondary looked last week, it really did look um, back to their best. The best way of winning this is probably keeping it on the ground, giving it to Chubb, finding Hunt out of the backfield, and really just keeping the ball in the hands of their running backs. Um, but you know, I'm not totally sold on a Cleveland win here, but um, I think that's going to be their best way to do it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the Bears team, especially Jalen Johnson, is uh, I'm obsessed with PFF at the moment, but he's PFF's highest rated corner <laughs> in the NFL, which is seriously impressive considering he's a second year rookie and a second pick, uh, second round pick, sorry, last year. So he's really come on uh, leaps and bounds. Um, but yeah, on Cleveland, I think their defense needs to step up slightly. They played pretty well against the Texans, but he's still with Davis Mills out there, you'd, you'd have, you know, expected it to keep it, you know, a bit further away than it was. Um, so I'm looking for Miles Garrett and uh, Jadavian Clowney to get to Justin Fields, who's been named as uh, the starting quarterback for this game quite a lot because our offensive line is still relatively poor. Um, on Chicago's side of the ball, obviously, you know, Justin Fields is starting. That was announced by Matt Nagy yesterday. You know, this is a real chance for Justin Fields with a week's worth of first-team reps to show what he's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly the statement I'd give as well, is go out there and make a name for yourself. It's a hard situation to be put in. It's a game where you're probably going to have two of the biggest um, pass rush threats in the league 
uh, in your face a lot of the time. Um, but at the same time, I want to see him uh, really get some support with, from the likes of David Montgomery, who's been really good so far, um, and Alan Robinson, who's been relatively quiet, especially last week. So I'd like to see um, yeah, your boy Al Rob uh, put in some decent yards this week. Yeah, it was uh, uncharacteristic from A-Rob to drop uh, pretty much a touchdown pass from Justin Fields last week. So it's just cleaning up mistakes like that. I I think um, you know the Browns are a touchdown um, ahead of us in the in the spread, which is, to me seems like quite a lot um, based on the games last week. But I guess that's fair enough. You know they're at home, so things might be different. I fancy us to cover the spread. I don't think we'll win this game. I I do think because it's at the dog pound and. You know, they'll just run the ball down our throats so much. We're really going to rely on Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks and Bilal Nichols to, to stop the run. And Roquan Smith, who's been playing at a completely different level this year as well. Uh, yeah, if I was to pick a, pick a winner for this, I'd go with the Cleveland Browns. But you know what I'm like. I'm a pessimistic Bears fan. The, the only thing I want from the game is for Justin Fields to show who Justin Fields is because um, that's what the fans want to see. We want to be excited. Chicago's never really had a quarterback that we could be excited about, and there's going to be a lot of times in this game where he's going to have to make plays with his legs as well as his arm. So, yeah, Justin Fields, let's let's see what you got, man. Let's do it. Absolutely. Um, and we've already kind of touched on it, but it's definitely a game where he's not expected to win. Just go out there, do your thing, and just really show them, yeah, show them what you're all about. Like, it's... You know, but the Bears aren't a team yet that are going to be a Super Bowl contender. You know, they might get to the playoffs, but they're not an NFC contender yet. So it's not as if he's going into a team where a loss is going to be excruciating to them. It's still a tight division. Um, the worst is the thing that's going to happen is that you'll be a game behind the Packers. So, yeah, it's a bit of a free hit, really. But I, um, I fancy this to be quite a close game, actually, although I think the Browns will probably uh, edge it out in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, Justin Fields has never lost a game in Ohio and he's played quite a lot of them. Oh, so, of course, yeah. Um, you know, you never know. It might be a happy stomping ground for him, but uh, let's wait and see. All right, let's move on yeah. to um, Buffalo-Washington. This is quite a nice little game on on paper and it's a big game for Josh Allen because he's not been playing well through, through two weeks. He's come out and said that himself. Um, he's only got a 56% completion rate compared to his nearly 70% last season. What do you think has got wrong for Josh Allen? Or is it just a bad couple of weeks? Um, when I looked at this on paper, I found this game probably the hardest to call out of the 16 fixtures this week. Um, and that is really saying something with some of the games we've still got to cover as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think with uh, what we know about the Washington defence, it's going to be in your face. It's going to probably stuff the run game. So this is really a game where I want Allen to bounce back. I want him to put some kind of a 300-plus yard game in and get the ball to Diggs, get the ball to Beasley and kind of move the chains quite quickly. Um, you know, it's it's a Washington offense that hasn't, while they haven't underperformed, they're still kind of a team in a bit of transition with their new quarterback. Um, so it's a game where I want Allen to really showcase and really be the star player. Um, and yeah, um, kind of get the Bills back on track to be an AFC contender. Yeah, I think they've got to start using their weapons more as well. You've got to start using Diggs more than they did uh, in the last game. I know he was covered by a very good Miami uh, secondary, but previous to this, he was getting 10 catches a game last year. Go back to what you know if you're Buffalo. You're good at passing the ball, uh, and if you can get that running game going as well, that's that's perfect. But you're good at passing the ball. 
look at Cole Beasley, you know, he's a perfect slant option. Look at your big tight end in Dawson Knox. You know, they've got some, you've got some really nice weapons there, actually. I think you've got Emmanuel Sanders, who's, who's there now. Um, so what I want to see from Buffalo is them really attacking this, this Washington secondary, which is the weakest part of their team. Um, if I'm looking on the Washington side of the ball, I'm looking at Taylor Heineke, obviously, and seeing what he can produce, because I was quite impressed with him last week. Yeah, we've picked him up quite a lot on this podcast. Um, and he's definitely, I think, delivered so far in one and a half games. This is probably going to be his biggest test so far, because I really like that Bill's secondary. I think it's really underrated. Um, uh, Levi Wallace made a big play last week, and that's without even mentioning the likes of Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. It's a really talented um, secondary. So actually... Um, one player I'd like to focus on this week is Antonio Gibson, who's had a disappointing start to the season so far. Um, and I really want to see him move the chains for, for Washington. If the Bills have got a weakness, it's definitely, I'd say, the front seven um, compared, to their, compared to their secondary. So really ground and pound. Um, obviously, they've got McKissick as well, who's got some good support. So that's probably the way that I would expect um, Washington, if they do win this game, the way they're going to win it. Um, and not only that, the more you run, the more clock you keep off um, and you keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. Yeah, you can see this game being quite attritional um, and just it could just be a case of, you know, running the football or two, two def- good defensive performances or something like that. You can see it being that kind of 17-16 game. But, you know, these are two one-on-one teams I don't know. I think it feels like one of the biggest games of the week for both teams. I, I want to know who the Bills are and I want to know who Washington are with, with Taylor Heineke. It's a really difficult one to call. I think, you know, if, if you're asking me now, I'd say the Bills just because they've probably got a more talented team all round. But I don't know. What, what are your thoughts if you had to call it now? Yeah, as I say, this is probably the hardest one I've found to call. But um, I'm, I'm going to back uh, our man Taylor Heineken. Um, oh, yeah. and keep up doing the business um, and yeah I'm going to back uh, back Washington this week Nice, like Heineken always does the business mate, you, you know that I mean, I've got <laughs> many of them in my fridge at the moment that are waiting to do the business this weekend but uh, when yeah. he's throwing that touchdown pass in the last quarter to Terry McLaurin, get them out That's it, yeah, for every uh, Taylor Heineken completed pass take a sip <laughs> That could be a new game. I might, yeah, I might push that one out on Sunday. That's not bad. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's go to a divisional game. Let's go to the Tennessee Titans versus the Indianapolis Colts. Um, the Colts really need to start rolling here. They're uh, zero and two. Um, they played a lot better in week two against the Rams than they did in week one against the Seahawks. But this feels like a really big game for Indianapolis. Um, we're not too sure on the status of Carson Wentz. It's looking more towards the fact he's not going to play, so Jacob Eason could be in the team. But the Colts have got to get something going because you don't want to go zero and three. Definitely. Um, And it really is going to be down to that Colts offense to um, compete with, uh, obviously, the likes of Ryan Tannehill and Derek Henry for points. So, yeah, it looks as though it's going to be Eason starting. Um, Brett Hundley is their backup as well, so he could come into the game if Eason struggles. Um, former Packers quarterback. So it's really down on the Colts to get that running game going. With a rookie quarterback at all times, you look with the running game as a support. Um, and so far, the Colts, after 
really looking like a run first team um last season and moving into this season haven't delivered so far and um, jonathan taylor is a guy that i really want to see some good numbers out of this week marlon mack is a good support piece um and obviously the likes of naheem hines as well always good for a, for a catch or free so it's really down to those colts running backs to keep it competitive otherwise i think tennessee are probably going to walk away with that yeah, that's it. It's a ground and pound scenario for for the Colts, really, especially if Jacob Eason does come out because, you know, it's going to be a tough time for him. I, you know, he'll get some good protection with that Indianapolis Colts O-line, but purely because the Tennessee pass rush is probably one of the worst in the um, entire division. If we look over at the other side of the ball in Tennessee, they kind of got back to who we thought they were going to be against the Seahawks uh, last week. And, you know, I was impressed by a number of players, obviously Derek Henry with his 182 yards and three touchdowns. But not just that, Ryan Tannehill played nicely. Julio Jones played really nicely. There's still a lot more to come from AJ Brown. But, you know, if you're the Titans, I'd say if it's not broke, don't fix it. Start with Henry and then see where you go from there. Absolutely. Um, a crazy start I saw for this is super impressive is that when Derek Henry has 24 touches in a game, the Titans are 19 and 0. So the fact that the fact that they came away from that when you've essentially gone unbeaten over a season, um, if you look at it that way, but just give the ball to him and tell him. Wouldn't well. you make sure you're because doing it, that every week? You just give it to him it, 20 times a week. It rarely goes wrong. So, you know, obviously we see against the likes of Carolina, um, the Cardinals, sorry, it, it went slightly wrong and they had to start passing it a little bit more. And they're not naturally a pass-first team despite the amount of quality they've got. Just give the ball to Henry until you get it in the end zone. It really isn't that complicated. But I love the fact they were using him out of the backfield last week and getting six six catches for 60-odd yards. If they're going to start doing more of that with Derek Henry, I mean, this is frightening because, you know, he's great when he gets gets the ball in his hands as, as a true running back. But when he's able to, you know, to get some momentum as well as catching the ball and then running at defenders, I mean, he could be an absolute monster out of the backfield. It's, it is scary. Mm, I don't think he's ever going to be the guy that, is a real dual pass threat because of his size you know it's you kind of watch him run and you think you just don't don't really look like a running back when you're catching out of the backfield but I think that was probably more of an exception than it is something we'll see going forward but absolutely if he can keep that up who is going to stop him Exactly. He's, he's virtually impossible to stop when he gets up ahead of steam. I want to see more out of AJ Brown this week. He only had three catches last week. And uh, I want to see Julio Jones continue to be who we know Julio Jones is because that offense looked really exciting. Um, I think if you're looking on the other side of the ball uh, for Tennessee and you're looking at the defensive side of things, you know, Caleb Farley was their first round pick uh, this year and he's already been benched at cornerback. So that's that's kind of worrying. They have got a few holes on that defense. As I mentioned, the pass rush um, is something that they're going to have to tighten up. But Mike Vrabel's meant to be a defensive coach. And his defense in Tennessee for the last few seasons has always been, you know, found wanting. And to me, that's what the Titans are. They're a brilliant offense with a wanting defense. And that's why they're never going to get to the point that they probably should do. And this is the kind of game that you can see this being a real problem if the Colts get a, a running game going. There's not a whole lot of talent on that defence, I think it's it's fair to say. But it's probably the best team you could play right now. It's an offence that 
isn't particularly groundbreaking at the best times. And right now, they've lost their starting quarterback and obviously still the likes of T.Y. Hilton out injured as well. So, you know, this could be a game that perhaps gets them a little bit of confidence, get those young, young players like Caleb Farley, you know, maybe get him an interception and just kickstart his career a little bit. Um, yeah, if they're going to turn up, this is really the game to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're looking at the two best teams in the two, well, in the worst division in football. So <laughs> that's kind of the way I'm looking at this game. I'm going for a Tennessee win. I, I can't see it any other way. I don't think it'll be that close either. Yeah, I think this is probably a game where, you know, Titans go up two scores kind of about half time, something like that. And then the second half, you probably won't see any highlights on red zone because it'll be a pretty boring game. But um, yeah, I think this will be a bit of a walkover for the Titans. Yeah, talking of boring games, I don't think this one's going to be too fun either. It's the New England Patriots um, against the New Orleans Saints. You know, um, I think it's it's really interesting to see how both these quarterbacks are going to fare because of they're very, very different. You look at Jameis, he's a risk taker. Well, he was anyway, he hasn't really been under Sean Payton, but he was a risk taker. We've got Mac Jones on the other side, who's methodical. He's, yeah, he's so accurate, 70% pass accuracy already in the NFL is quite amazing for a rookie um, over two weeks. I don't know what team I'd be more interested in seeing here. I think it'll probably be the Patriots because, um, as you said on the last podcast, I think the Saints win over the uh, Packers in week one was more the anomaly than what happened last week at Carolina. So for New England, I want to see more of an exciting offense. I want to see Mac Jones get the ball downfield, you know, let him use it, use that arm, see what he can do against a relatively banged up secondary for, for New Orleans. Me too. I think this um, Patriots offense has a higher ceiling than the New Orleans offense right now. Certainly for this season, I don't see the Saints being much more than what they are right now. Um, Mac Jones, yeah, really impressed with him so far. He's he's never going to be the kind of guy that throws for 400 yards a game. I don't think that's that's not who he is. But that's not what you need. Um, it's against a difficult two de- two difficult defenses. So I think yeah, it's probably not going to be a particularly exciting game on offense. Um, but I think it could be quite a fun game defensively to watch. Yeah, that's true. They are both very very good defenses. Um, so, well, I say that I, I really don't like the secondary. I, I'm not sure if Marshall Lattimore's back for the Saints, but if not, I really do think they're found wanting in those areas. But um, the offensive lines for both these teams struggled last week. Actually, if you look at you know how they graded on my new favourite platform, PFF, um, they did really struggle, especially the Saints. And if we look at Jameis Winston, if he doesn't get time, which he didn't get time last week, he makes mistakes, and it's just something you can't do. Um, for this New Orleans team because they're already up against it with a, a lack of wideouts and some holes in other areas. Yeah, he's kind of famous really for having turnovers and I think a lot of that is just caused by pure panic. Um, when he was in Tampa, they didn't have the offensive line they have now and since he's been uh, at the Saints, perhaps they haven't been quite as quality as they were a few years ago when they had Breeze at centre. So it's... Yeah, whereas you look at someone like Mac Jones, who really just looks pretty unflappable, even as a rookie in week two. So it's, yeah, I agree with you. I'm actually quite excited to see um, how Mac can do against a stronger defense. Um, Obviously played the Jets uh, last week and they won comfortably, although, as we said, again, not particularly exciting. You know, can Mac still produce that high standard of pass completion against 
a team that are probably going to be in his face quite a lot. Yeah, it is an interesting one on that front. As I say, with the um, Buffalo-Washington game, I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game at all. You know, if I was looking at the spread and it said under 40 points, it wouldn't surprise me if it was under 40 points because, yeah, I don't trust Jameis at all. I think week one was the anomaly. I don't... It, the eye surgery, you know, everyone says after week one, you know, it's the best thing in the world. And after week two, he's the worst thing in the world. He's probably somewhere in between that. Um, as a guy who, who really enjoys watching Jameis Winston play football, I want to see him be Jameis Winston and and just really have a go at this this Patriots secondary because, you know, we all that's what we loved about Winston when he was at Tampa Bay. He would throw for 400 yards and the games would be exciting and, I, I don't know, maybe that's just us looking from the point of view that we're not fans of the New Orleans Saints and it's not what Sean Payton wants. But as an NFL fan, I think there's no one that would begrudge um, a game on Sunday with Jameis, 400 yards, three touchdowns for three interceptions. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely would liven up this game a little bit. You look at people like Devontae Harris, who um, Deontay Harris, rather, who the Panthers kept the ball away from quite a lot last week. And if they're going to make an explosive play, it's probably going to be to him. So um, he's also starting in my other league fantasy team this week. So I'm really hoping he has a big game this week. Well, um, if he's up and, against JC Jackson, he's going to have a tough time. Well, that's it. And you look at, obviously, the Patriots secondary, which is outstanding, and they haven't got a whole lot to cover, really, when you look at the targets that Winston has. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be easy for them. No, me neither. Me neither. All right, let's move on to the New York Giants against the Atlanta Falcons. 2-0 and two teams. So someone gets a win. Well, more than likely someone gets a win in this one. Um, <laughs> let's start with New York because I think they've got more to offer um, than the Atlanta Falcons in this game. Um, I thought they played pretty well against uh, the Washington football team, as we said on the review show. I thought Dan Jones played fantastic. Um, I thought uh, Sterling Shepard looked like a wide receiver one at the moment through two weeks. The offensive line definitely played better. The defence played better. They were just let down by a stupid penalty. Otherwise, they'd have been walk-off winners in that game. Um, if you're a Giants fan here, Bodge, what do you want to see from them? Just more of the same? Yeah, this is the kind of game that I want to see Dan Jones take by the scruff of the neck and really show why he was a first-round pick and prove all of the doubters wrong. Um, he has failed to deceive so far in his NFL career, and I don't think he's going to have many better chances than this weekend. Um, we'll, we'll come on to the, the Falcons, but really I think this is a game all about the two quarterbacks because they're both under a bit of pressure right now, and really Dan Jones is the guy that I expect to come out on top here. And It's, it's not for a lack of options either. He's got, as you mentioned, the likes of Shepard, um, Slayton, Holiday hasn't seen much of the ball yet and Saquon Barkley seemed to have a bit more involvement last week so this is a game where I'd love to see um, Dan Jones really go off put up that 35 plus points performance that we just haven't seen from him yet. Yeah I mean from my personal point of view what I want to see is Saquon Barkley have a big day here uh, well actually I don't because I'm playing against him in fantasy but you know from a personal point of view he's had a tough you know uh, last 18 months, you could say, I really want to see him just go off and have a have a good game here. Whether it's 50 yards, 100 yards, I just want to see him play well because it seems such a shame that a player of his quality from a couple of years ago is is where he is now, and you kind of worry that he's going down the uh, Todd Gurley route. 
you do um he's so young as well like he, he can only be about 25 26 and it feels like he's been in the league for ages um struggled with injuries but you know he, he, I, I still remember that first game he played and he had about a 70 yard rushing touchdown and outpaced everyone on the field that's what i want to see from him this week he's against a poor defense um and if he breaks clear i don't think uh, there's going to be many people catching him so i'm totally with you there let's uh, let's see saquon back to his best this weekend also to make me feel really old i did wikipedia how old he is he's 24 which is 24 wow ridiculous but uh yeah it's i really get wanna... older than me that's crazy it is crazy isn't it when it's like when you're watching football nowadays as in soccer um you know and you see players that are coming on for liverpool and they're 16 years old it does make you think what am I doing? Like, Born in 2005. Yeah, that is so depressing. You almost feel like you shouldn't be watching them. I mean, that is... <laughs> uh, anyway, that is devastating news. Um, all right, let's move on to Atlanta because they've really struggled in the first two weeks of, of this season. It's kind of looking like dire straits already for them. Um, you know, we mentioned Matt Ryan on the last show, and I think this is a huge game for Matt Ryan, really. I know he doesn't get that much protection from that offensive line, but he's still got options that he needs to use more with Ridley and um, Kyle Pitts, especially. This is a big game for Matty Ice. It is indeed. Um, as you say, he's got talent, he's got Ridley, he's got Pitts. Um, aside from those two, though, I believe Russell Gage is out this week, so... As in the passing game, uh, I'd like to see Mike Davis get a bit more involved. Obviously, he came over from the Panthers, and I really want to see a bit more out of him, both on the ground and in the air. He, you know, as much as he hasn't got the quality of McCaffrey, he played the McCaffrey role last season and and did a decent job of it as well for, for a guy filling in. So he's a good player, and you know, I'd like to see uh, Ryan and Atlanta to really exploit what he's all about. Yeah, definitely. I mean. The biggest concern also for Atlanta is that defense that just got lit up by Tom Brady. Like I know a lot of teams will get lit up by Tom Brady, but they looked incredibly poor, letting out 48 points, five touchdowns. And yeah, you do worry about this Falcons team already, that if they lose this game, it could already be completely over. It's the same story for a couple of years. Um, you know, weapons on offense and not much on defense. You know, Ryan hasn't produced as much as he probably should uh, over the last couple of years and we've already touched on it but this season really looks like a drop-off in pace for him um so yeah I don't really have a lot of positive things to say about the Falcons this week unfortunately no I just want to get the Josh Rosen show going mate let's get it started Mm. let's get him a starting role in one of these games because you never know dear you never know sometimes all it takes is I look at the prime example for me is Ryan Tannehill who done it under Arthur Smith who is the Atlanta Falcons coach now you know completely turned his career around I'm not saying that Josh Rosen's going to do the same thing that Ryan Tannehill did but you know there's a possibility it's the NFL if, if you know if we add all our points together it essentially suggests to let's just get the Falcons kind of close them off for this season and already look at 2022 because they're not going to have much of a season this year I can't see them getting more than five wins at the very most um just yeah kind of go for that top top five draft pick get your future qb um and yeah start using those young weapons like Pitts and ridley um with a guy who's going to be able to play with them for the next five or ten years yeah exactly that could be another tough um weekend at the office for the atlanta falcons okay one more story out of that game um 
from the Giants, a bit of a sad story. Um, Nick Gates in the last 24 or 48 hours, their centre um, potentially having a career-ending injury uh, oh, in that God. Washington game. Um, Joe Judge has kind of uh, said that it's reminiscent of what happened to Alex Smith, obviously on the same field as well. So, um, yeah, quite a sad story for them and for their team. Obviously, already a banged-up offensive line that hasn't particularly impressed. Yeah, that's terrible news, and I hope it isn't the case that... Um... It is a career-ending injury. Obviously, Alex Smith showed, um, well, just what an incredible human he is. But just the fact that it is possible to come back from stuff like this. And I very much hope the same for um, Nick Gates because, yeah, nobody wants to see that. Okay, um, let's move on to an AFC North clash. Bod, you're probably better to talk about this one than I am. So I'll get you started. The Pittsburgh Steelers at uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. What do you make of this? I'm really interested in this game, actually. This is probably out of the early window, the game I'd like to watch the most, because it's obviously affects my division, but that's putting that aside. It's a Pittsburgh offense, which I think has got potential. Um, You know, there's a lot of injury concerns around the Steelers this week on offense and defense, although it's expected that Big Ben is going to play. Um, I want to see Ben keep up kind of the decent yardage he's put up so far, kind of get the ball to Johnson if he plays, get the ball to Claypool um, and really put some points on the board, um, especially with Najee Harris not seeing much of the ball yet. And probably one of the Bengals' strengths is, is having a big D-line. So I'm not sure this is going to quite be Harris's game either. And then on the flip side of that, you've got a really explosive team in the Bengals um, with a lot of deep threats. Um, and are coming off of a game where Burrow was probably one of his worst games in the NFL and through a lot of turnovers. He can't afford to do that this week. He needs to keep doing what he's doing and getting the ball downfield, but reducing uh, those like, interceptions, three of them he threw last week. So I think this really could be anything. I think either team could win, and I think it could be a high-scoring game or a low-scoring game. So this is going to be a really interesting one to watch. I think this game focuses on one player and whether he plays or not, and that's TJ Watt. I think if TJ Watt plays, the Steelers win because I think he'll get to um, Joe Burrow at least three times in this game with that Bengals offensive line. If he doesn't play, I think the Bengals have got a real chance here. Um, As you say, with that explosive offense, they've got so many weapons in Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd that can light up any secondary. And if Joe Burrow just gets that little bit more time than he would with TJ Watt on the field. I think this could be a Bengals Bengals win. I really like the Bengals in this if TJ Watt doesn't play. Yeah, I've got the Bengals to win this as well, um, I have to say. Uh, although it's also worth saying, actually, a guy that we haven't spoken about much, but Joe Mixon is quietly having a really good season. Um, and I think that's probably a real key to winning this as well. Um, again, like we've said with other teams, if he keeps the ball in his hands, it's going to drain the clock. Um, but he's got the second most rushing yards in the league so far this season, which I thought was quite surprising. Not really a, a name that has come up much, but quietly going about his business really well. Yeah, he played well against us um, last week. He didn't get, I think he only got 70 odd yards, but he was very effective with, with the yards that he did get. And, you know, he's looking all the reason why they paid him such big money. Because before that, I was questionable about Joe Mixon and, didn't really seem to get the hype around him, but he's looking really good. And one thing I will say about this Bengals team as well is that that pass rush is looking pretty good, Um, especially Trey Hendrickson on the outside. They'll be able to get to to Big Ben here because that offensive line, even though it was improved for Pittsburgh in week two, they'll still be able to rush Big Ben. And 
Big Ben famously, you know, he can't move. So if they can get to him, I, I really do think that the Steelers will struggle this week. I don't know what it is. The, every, mm. Everything for me is pointing to, to the Bengals. Yeah, me too, I have to say. I think it will be a close game. and I'm, I, I think this is probably a decent game for, for Pittsburgh. I think it probably suits them quite well. Um, but if... Deontay Johnson doesn't play. I think they're in a little bit of trouble. Um, and as you say, it's worth mentioning that Bengals defense as well. Um, of course, I think the Bears scored 20 points, I think it was. And yeah. seven of those were defensively. So to hold uh, hold any team to kind of around that 10 to 12 points mark is, is okay. Um, and the fact that they clamped down Alan Robinson last week as well is pretty impressive. So yeah, I think this is um this is gonna be a good matchup. I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, I'd go towards a Cincy win as well. Yeah, me too, my friend. All right, let's stick with oh here we are. Uh we've got the Detroit Lions and the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously your Baltimore Ravens, um, Liam. So yeah, I'll let you run with the ball. Let's do it. Um so I mean for us, uh starting with the Ravens, um a few injury concerns still. Um, I know we were joking beforehand, uh, Lamar Jackson having some problems with his hip. That has come out to be fake news, thankfully. Oh, is it fake news? Because it was even tweeted by the um, Around the NFL podcast. Yeah, so he did mispractice, but it's because of a bug as opposed to um, a hip. But he liked to wind up journalists and say it's because of that. Because he knew he'd have the media absolutely coming for him with knives. So good on Lamar. um, That is great. for, uh, For winding up some more people. He loves to do it. Um, but the big miss for us so far this week in training has been Hollywood Brown. Uh, missed both Wednesday and Thursday practice. And a guy that has played really well so far this season. And I would back to have another good game if he does play this weekend. I know he played against the Chiefs in quite a lot of pain um, and didn't expect to play. Um, so that could be a sign that he'll toughen through it on Sunday. But we'll see. Um, on defence for us, um, I could be a little bit of a challenge. but. Um, with a D-line that's banged up um, and a Detroit offence, which has been quietly impressive, um, I think it might be a little bit of a problem and it could actually be quite a high-scoring game. Um, so this could be quite a fun game to watch, but I expect and hope um, my Ravens can kind of get a couple of scores in the lead and see it out from there. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it will be a really good game. I think the Lions will keep you honest. I think from what I've seen from, from the Lions in the first two weeks, I've been pretty pretty impressed. The defensive line is is solid, it's really good, and their offensive line is fantastic. It's one of the best in the league, easily a top five offensive line. So Jared Goff is getting a lovely amount of time to to throw the ball to, to Quintess Cyphers or TJ Hawkinson, who looks like a stud tight end. Um, obviously... The one area of concern now with um, Detroit, well, maybe not one, they've got a few, but especially their secondary, they're really there to be got at. So you're looking at players like Sammy Watkins, um, if you know, Hollywood Brown doesn't play. And the one player here I'm really looking at exposing this, this Lions kind of linebacker secondary core is Mark Andrews. I'm expecting him to have a big game. Yeah, and he was a guy that I think went a little bit under the radar um, this uh, last weekend and Although he didn't have much yardage and he came up with catches at crucial times. So after a quiet week one, it's good to see Lamar getting the ball back to him. Um, Yeah, I think it could be quite interesting for both tight ends actually as well, because Hawkinson is a guy who's played well already this season. And the Ravens over the last few years haven't been great at marking tight ends, but we saw how Kelsey bullied them um, for his touchdown. So 
I think this is probably going to be a game where Goff targets TJ Hawkinson quite a lot. So definitely a week to get him in your fantasy team, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with your Ravens in this one, but I like the Lions to keep it uh, relatively close, at least for maybe two or three quarters, and then you might stretch it out after that. But, you know, this, this Lions team isn't a walkover at all, and they've got some really nice parts, and Jared Goff has played well throughout the, the first two weeks. And, yeah, I, I, I don't mind them. I don't mind them at all, to cover the spread at least. Yeah, me neither. Um, I think as well it's going to be, uh, you mentioned that the the Lions' sec- uh, defence sorry, is definitely their weakness, but their secondary um, D-line sorry, isn't too bad, and that's obviously going to be key to stop the likes of Latavius Murray and Lamar Jackson and Tyson Williams. Um, so, yeah, they really need to uh, keep eyes on Lamar, which the Chiefs struggled to do last week. Let's see, if you look at the just one more point on the Lions, if you look at their game against Green Bay on Monday night, they got to Aaron Rodgers three times. And no Packers player got to Jared Goff, which to me shows they're good in the trenches, really good in the trenches. And Penny Sewell, um, left tackle, already looked like the player everyone thought Penny Sewell was going to be. And a part of me does think that the Bengals did not regret taking Jamar Chase because he's played incredibly well for two weeks, but they're looking at Penny Sewell thinking, man, we needed this guy. Absolutely. And that line, uh, offensive line is... When you look at a team as a whole, and sometimes you kind of look at them as a bad team, but when you, you, you can get offensive lines or defensive lines that quietly go about their business and are really productive, and the Lions and the offensive line definitely a, a situation there, because as you say, they've got the likes of um, Penny Saul, um, Glasgow, the centre, is a, is a good player. Vitae can be a little bit inconsistent on the other tackle. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a serviceable offensive line and it's done well keeping Jared Goff uh, standing upright so far. Definitely. An interesting game. Um, okay. Oh, God, this is not an interesting game. Um, <laughs> Bodger might have to rush through this one, mate. Uh, okay, Denver Broncos, New York Jets. I, man, I, I just apologise to Broncos fans because I feel like we never have much to say about them, but they are they, a good team. <laughs> they are No, they're a brilliant team. I think defensively they're fantastic and well coached by... Um, Fangio. Um, I think offensively they look really impressive with Teddy as their quarterback and Cortland Sutton coming back from, from his injury. I just don't think they've played many teams that I can get excited about. I, I can't get excited about um, Zach Wilson and the New York Jets at the moment. Especially, I mean, what worries me most about this game is you look at what Zach Wilson done last week and against a Bill Belichick defence, obviously, but he threw four terrible interceptions. And now you're coming up against probably the maybe the best secondary in football coached by one of the best defensive minds in football I mean this could be a bloodbath for Zach Wilson yeah that defense I I do worry could murder him both physically and in the air um quite a lot this week they are missing Bradley Chubb who's been ruled out for six to eight weeks which is a bit of a shame um so they're missing one piece on defense but yeah that that secondary I think will shut down every single target that the Jets have got and that isn't many of them to start with so um, and on the other side of the ball I mean as we say although we perhaps didn't give them much praise last week they're a 2-0 team and Cortland Sutton and Teddy Bridgewater look absolutely fantastic together so this is a team where again I look at Sutton to have a massive week here. Yeah uh, the Broncos uh, the sum of their parts really they're they're very good on, on offense and they look like a top five defense. And for that, they'll probably end the season with 10, 11 wins and, and make the postseason. And no one will really talk about them for 17 games. They just kind of remind me of that team. But 
just a quick word on Teddy Bridgewater because you know we saw parts of the of how good he could be at Carolina, but in the first two weeks here, although he hasn't played the best defenses, obviously he's he's looked really serviceable. Yes, they've had a nice schedule, starting with the Giants and then the Jags and now the Jets. You do kind of expect them to go three and zero, but he's used his weapons nicely. He's used Noah Fan as well as as Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy in week one when he was available. And Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon both look really good out of the backfield. If I was a Denver Broncos fan, I'd be really excited about where this team's going to go. It's just I can't get too excited about this game this week. Yeah, it's definitely a team on the up as well. I mean, you have to remember, if you look over Teddy Bridgewater's career, obviously he had that big injury in Minnesota. And then since then, he's only ever played in kind of two or three or four game stretches um, for the Saints. So uh, aside from that season last season. So when you take into account how we, I think we thought he was pretty good in Carolina, um, you know, no more than pretty good, but pretty good. Um, That was his first season starting for a very long time. So the fact that he's now come over not only um, to a new team, but still kind of getting used to being a starting quarterback, I'd say, it's probably a little bit of a story that goes under the radar because he's gone through a lot in his career and to come out really swinging for this new team is um, quite impressive. Yeah, definitely. I think I comfortably expect the Denver Broncos to go 3-0 and there. Sorry to Olivia, but um, it's just the way it goes in football. Okay, It is as well. And obviously the fact that the Chiefs and the Chargers are playing each other, um, it's probably going to mean that one of those teams is bottom of the division which is a very strange thought. So that AFC West is just looking so tasty right now. That's it, man. And we'll move on to the last team we're going to talk about in the AFC West now, the Las Vegas Raiders against the Miami Dolphins. Um, Well, let's start with the Raiders on this one because they're the team that I'm most excited about here. And, you know, Dangerous Derek's been playing fantastic football for the first two weeks um, of this season. And then... You look at the way he's been using those weapons in Darren Waller, and um, my mind's gone blank. Bodge, help me out. Uh, Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs, that's it. And yeah, he's, he's just he's just he's playing really well. He's playing probably the best football of of his career at the moment. And um, on the other side, you've got a Dolphins team that's going to be without Tua this week. So Jacoby Brissett's in at quarterback, and I mean I'm really struggling to look past the Raiders' win here already, but. They, they just seem so much more explosive on, on offense. And they've got that defense working. Max Crosby is playing brilliant football at the moment. And the rest of their defense looks like a, a proper defense now. Yeah, we'll come into Miami. But I think the bottom line is they're a very difficult team to get excited about. And the fact that two is out this week only enhances that. Um, but starting with the Raiders, for me, I want to see their defense absolutely feast. This is a team that's been shut out and now has their backup quarterback starting. And it's a Raiders defense that has, whilst their pass rush has looked very good, their secondary has still been exploited quite a lot. So I want to see this defense hold the uh, Dolphins to probably no more than seven points. I want to see them really come out and just get to Brissett keep Waddle quiet and Parker and Kasicki and all the rest of them and show them why they can still be a contender in that really tough division in the AFC West. Yeah, me too. If I was going to point at one positive, it's the fact that Will Fuller is going to be back for, well, I say back for the Dolphins, playing his first game for the Dolphins. So it does give them um, some nice options. But when you've got Jacoby Brissett 
throwing the ball. Not that Tua was outstanding for his, you know, first game and then what we saw in week two. But I don't know. This Miami defense is fantastic and it, it will be throughout the whole season because that cornerback room is arguably, along with Denver, the best in the league. And Xavier Howard and Byron Jones will show that week in, week out. And the front seven has, has been brilliant as well and it will keep them in games it's just offensively it's kind of the same old story for Miami in fact maybe less so because they had Fitzpatrick to rely on last season who came in and done a job brilliantly yeah Fitzpatrick was superb for them last season and I think it the fact that obviously they picked to a uh, I think it was fifth in the draft um, or sixth in the draft and they regularly were benching him because they felt like he couldn't deliver is um, a pretty bad sign. Brissett, I think, as a number two quarterback, is one of the better ones you'll find in the league. Um, whenever he's been in um, at the Colts last season, I thought he was uh, pretty impressive. Um, and obviously he had that season where Andrew Luck was injured as well and took over. He's not great, but he is, he is a decent quarterback and he'll keep things ticking along. Um, but it's not, a team that is going to put up many points each week at all. It's that they haven't got a running game either. They they just don't really have any running backs that are proper runners. You look at Miles Gaskin, Salvan Ahmed, you know, they're not players there that, that get you excited. It's not like they've got Derek Henry in the backfield that kind of bows them out. And if they haven't got a running game and they can't get the passing game going, I just don't see where this offense goes. Yeah, um, and there has been, um, I don't think rumours, but kind of theories to is this a good time for Miami to go for Deshaun Watson? Well, I mean, it's so hard. It, it's so hard to do because obviously the legal ramifications regarding Watson at the moment, I think it's nearly impossible for any team to even attempt to trade because, well, not just how it looks, but could you really do that to Tua after just over, what, a year? I mean, a year and one game? I mean, it seems incredibly harsh if you sent Tua maybe to the to the Texans, but I, I can't see any team trading for him because you've also got to pick up, you know, the legal aspect of it and you don't know what's going to come out of those civil cases. Yeah, and that is definitely the only thing that I think would stop them. And if we put aside the legal cases for now, which obviously we can't do, but if we did, I think Watson would be a perfect fit for this team because I think their defence is ready to compete for a Super Bowl and I think their offensive weapons are only going to get better as the season goes on and the likes of um, Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller and um, uh, Miles Gaskin get involved a little bit more so I do think they're a quarterback away from being a really competitive team but I don't have much faith in Tua yet Um, obviously only a second year player so certainly not ruling him off but he's not going to be a competitive quarterback yet and the fact that he's probably going to miss a few weeks um, yeah, it's a bit of a killer for this uh, Dolphins team, especially after we were quite impressed with them week one. Yeah, that's it. As a part of me thinking that, you know, how much do Miami regret taking two? I know that sounds harsh, but they could have had Justin Herbert. Oh, you've got to, yeah. You've definitely got to um, think you've, you've backed the wrong horse there, I think. Yeah, but it does happen. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. We've never had a quarterback, so... <laughs> that's, you, yeah, you're, you're a case, case example there. It's, it's the way it goes. But yeah, let's... Um, I, to me, it's a, it's a Raiders victory. I think they'll go 3-0, and and I like this team a lot. I think if Derek Carr can put up the kind of numbers and everything else he's been doing in the first two weeks, this looks to me, again, like another 10-win 10 10 win team in the AFC, uh, AFC West. 
yeah, I can really see this being a multiple score win for Vegas. Um, and definitely I can see them keeping the Dolphins down to single digits. Yep, I think we're both on the same page there. My God, this game's a good one. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, this could be an NFC Championship match come late January. Uh, Bodge, this is a good game. A really good game for week three. It, the, the first two words I've written down are box office. Um, this game is, uh, yeah, I absolutely, and I think this is probably the best two teams in the NFL right now. So I am incredibly looking forward to this. Um, you've got the Bucks, who perhaps aren't as explosive on offense, but they are methodical and they they did just score forty eight points. The fact that they did that, they got they got five touchdowns and only passed for about two hundred and seventy yards. Like Tom Brady just kills you, um, and he's doing that against probably the best. Uh, defensive lineman in the league and the best player in the secondary in the league. And then on the flip side of that, you've got the Rams who have started like a house on fire on offense, have got Cooper Cup, who's been one of the best receivers in the league for two weeks. And then they're up against the Bucks defense, which has the likes of Shaquille Barrett running at you and Levante David running at you, and then has a young, impressive secondary. This has just got everything I want to see this game. This is such a good game. You're right. It's probably the two of the most complete teams in the entire NFL. Both defenses are fantastic. Both offenses are fantastic. I mean, let's all right. Let's just look at LA for example. So we'll start with you know Matthew Stafford's been been outstanding, but the player that's really stood out for them on offense has been Cooper Cup, who is the best receiver in the league at the moment. I don't think anyone can question that. He's just been untouchable really and then you've got Robert Woods on the other side but just a word on Cooper Cup and how he's he's developed his game with Matthew Stafford yeah I'm just going to call you out on that because I think uh, I've got a man called Tyler Lockett on the phone he wants to talk to you about that wide receiver no 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 no. yeah but I've only done this on average points on uh, fantasy football so Cooper Cup's (laughs) average points are 30 Tyler Lockett's are 28 ah well Um, came over mate Put the phone down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Tyler. We'll get back to you. Um, <laughs> no, it's, I mean, one thing I really want to see this week is I want to see Stafford put in a Patrick Mahomes-like performance. Um, and I think it's probably going to be what it takes because Brady, whatever Stafford does, Brady is going to follow him pound for pound. So Stafford cannot afford to slip up. You know, he's been at the Lions. He's been in a fairly low-pressure environment because they haven't been a competitive team. He is now in a championship-winning team. He needs to be beating the big dogs, and he needs to be up there um, when he's playing those opposing quarterbacks. So this is a big test for Stafford. Um, and it's, as I say, this this game is just an awesome one to watch. Um, and I would definitely have it on on Sky. Me too. And it's at SoFi Stadium, which just makes it even better because the atmosphere is going to be absolutely incredible. Yeah, that's it. Incredible looking stadium. It would not surprise me one bit if one of these teams were playing there in February because I think they're both that good. Um, I can't say it's kind of weird because you want to say so much about this game, but at the same time, you can't get the words out because these teams are just so interesting. I, I don't know where this game is going to be won and lost because it kind of feels like it's going to be one of those things where it's a special teams error or something because, mm. you know, the defences and the offences for, the, for these teams are just so good. Well, look at that stupid play by the Rams last week where their um, long snapper threw it into his own player um, and the Colts <laughs> got a touchdown off of it. If they do that this week, that is the, that is the difference between going 2-1 um, and 1-2. Uh, and two, uh, 
three and oh even bad maths by me um, yeah if you can't count to three you're struggling mate <laughs> i mean if they get two if they go one and two this week then something serious <laughs> that'd be a bad weekend wouldn't it you have one of your previous wins taken away as well as losing this week but for me i think the guy who wins this game is Jalen ramsey because he's got probably the best free free receivers as a whole. And that's without even talking about Rob Gronkowski. Um, And he has got to really clamp one, if not two of them down and reduce Brady's um, options. So Jalen Ramsey for me is the reason why I'm backing the LA Rams to win this game. I am also backing the LA Rams to win this game, but it's because of a man called Aaron Donald. And this guy is a freak, an absolute freak. What he's been doing, not just throughout his career, but for the first two games this season, he is dominating offensive lines. I mean, they're having to triple team him at the moment. And what they're doing is obviously it's, it's making holes for other players like Leonard Floyd, who had a really good game last time. And... He is the reason why I'm picking the Rams. I'm not picking the Rams by much. I like I like the fact they're at SoFi Stadium. I like what they're doing on offense with Matthew Stafford. Um, yeah, it's the LA Rams for me, but it's not by much. I mean, it's by maybe a field goal, if that. It's Again, it's one of those games where it could finish 6-3 or it could finish 35-42. It, um, yeah, really could go in any way, but... Absolutely. If you're not doing anything at half past nine on Sunday, get this game on the box. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's. Um, I almost don't want to move on, but let's move on to um, another team in the NFC West, the Seattle Seahawks. They are away at the Minnesota Vikings for the Vikings' first home game of the season. Um, important game this for the Vikings, Liam, because they really need to start start rolling, especially after that heartbreaking defeat to the Cardinals last week. Um, yeah, important one for the Vikings. It really is. And they have been an unlucky team um, through two weeks, I think. It's, you know, they've made stupid mistakes, but overall as an offence and a defence, I think they've played rel- relatively well. Um, certainly on defences, they've still got some weaknesses. But Kurt Cousins, um, you know, as a group of friends, we, we tend to criticise Kurt Cousins quite a lot. Um when we're talking about him for silly interceptions or um, just not being able to get games over the line. Or just not taking a vaccine or just things like that. It really could, it could be anything he could. So, but to be fair to him, I think he's played really well through two weeks. So, and the fact that he's playing a Seahawks defense, which has just put up big yards um, to the Titans, both in the, in the air and on the ground. This is a game where, as you say, the Vikings need to win it and they need to win it by scoring a lot of points against this defence. Yeah, definitely. Because this defence for Seattle is there for the taking. You look at what Tennessee done to them last week. Yeah, I like the Vikings in this game as well. I I do think they'll come away with a win here. Um, KJ Osborne is a player that I'm looking out for in this because obviously we know all about Justin Jefferson. We know about um, Adam Phelan, who's been brilliant for the first two weeks as well with his three touchdowns. But KJ Osborne's been a player that's, he's having a nice breakout year. And the Vikings always seem to find these kind of wide receivers that are just absolute studs. Yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll hold my hands up and say I'd never heard of him before week one. So oh, me neither. He really, <laughs> he really has come out of nowhere. Um, but absolutely, he's matching Jefferson and Phelan, um, one of the best duos at wide receiver stride for stride. So 
yeah, he is just a player that's going to grow, I think, um, for this Vikings team and another weapon for Cousins to deliver. And he's a guy that gets um, a lot of criticism, as I say, particularly for just not being able to see games over the line and get the wins, um, get the wins churning. So, yeah, Cousins just needs to keep throwing to hit him. Um, keep giving the ball to Dalvin Cook as well. The Seahawks defense got absolutely bruised by Derek Henry last week. Obviously, Dalvin Cook, a different type of back and questionable for this week. But if he does play, he should get big yardage. Yeah, Dalvin Cook's the reason I'm going with the Vikings in this game because, you know, you saw what happened with um, the Seahawks against the run with Derek Henry. I mean, Dalvin Cook's a very similar back. He's just as menacing and just as, you know, powerful. And, you know, if he's playing, I know he's questionable at the moment, but if he's playing, then, yeah, I like the Vikings in this. Okay, let's um, talk about Seattle because, you know, they're always in the game with Russell Wilson, um, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson. And, you know... Russ has been playing really well for the first two weeks. They've let him cook. I don't think there's there's too many things that we can worry about with the Seattle offense. And that's what's going to really be a problem for the Vikings here, their secondary against this incredible wide receiver duo. Absolutely. And that is why I'm going to go against you and I'm going to go with Seattle this week. Oh, um, I can feel Liam just devastated somewhere in Switzerland. And I'm... <laughs> I'm absolutely going against what my preseason predictions were because I predicted the Vikings to have a good season and the Seahawks to be a bit of a down season. So uh, how things can change in two weeks, but that is absolutely down to that triple threat of Wilson, uh, Lockett and Metcalf. Um, Lockett, as we mentioned, has been, I would personally say he's been the best receiver in the league. I'd put him slightly above Cooper Cup. Um, I know it's a very tough call. And Metcalf is one of the most explosive players in the league. And the fact that it's only his third season is quite terrifying. Um, And as well as that, you've got Chris Carson, who, you know, isn't the most productive back at times, but he's solid enough and he got two touchdowns last week. So if somehow the Vikings decide to trade for Jalen Ramsey and Jair Alexander and Marlon Humphrey and have a whole new back secondary, because I don't see their current secondary doing much, um, you know, they've still got a decent running game that they can pull back on. Yeah, exactly. So you're taking the Seahawks in this and I'm taking the Vikings in this. I am indeed. Okay, right. So we move on to Sunday night football. San Francisco 49ers, Green Bay Packers, another lovely game on the paper anyway. Um, right, let's start with the Green Bay Packers. They had a nice comeback win against the Detroit Lions, which I'm sure they won't be the first team in saying that this season. No disrespect to the Lions there at all. But Aaron Rodgers looked back to his best, four touchdowns. Aaron Jones looked fantastic. And the offense as a whole looked, you know, back to where Green Bay were in 2020. Um, yeah, what do you make of this one, Liam? I'm not too sure what to make of this. Quite an interesting one. Um, I think it's all about what kind of Packers we're going to see this week because we saw them against a good defense um, against the Saints and obviously their struggles were well documented. Um, and then we saw them against a pretty rubbish offense, uh, defense last week against the Lions. Um, and they put up 35 points. So, it, you know, realistically, they are probably somewhere in between. Um, but it's definitely not set in stone kind of just how productive they're going to be. Um, they're against a 49ers defense, which likes to get to the quarterback quickly, which has some playmakers in the likes of Fred Warner as well. Um, and... I think it's all going to come down to how good this 49ers offense plays because they had one week again, which they were explosive and one week, which they were a little bit down. Um, 
so I think this 49ers offense and how many points they can get on the board is probably going to be where this game is won or lost. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, to me, the, the more exciting team for me to watch here is the 49ers as well. And I think this is a perfect time to show what Trey Lance is all about. I mean, I know Jimmy G has been playing pretty well, but yeah, I'd, I'd give Trey Lance a nice little go here, see what he could do with his legs because that running back call has been shot to bits. Brandon Ayuk is been left in the cold completely after after week one and it's really all fallen on Debo Samuel who has been fantastic but for me if I'm looking at as a 49ers fan I'd be getting you know Trey Lance banners going a nice little dual quarterback threat um yeah I like the 49ers in this one I, I don't rate Green Bay too highly I don't think they're where they were last year I think they're they're maybe a 10-win team and I think the fact that it's a Levi Stadium will be huge for the 49ers and yeah no I, I really like the 49ers in this I like Nick Bosa I like their defense um, I hate the Packers obviously because I hate the Packers but yeah for me it's all about the 49ers here it is a tough one to call um, and I kind of agree with you in the fact that the Packers I'm not particularly high on but I'm also not massively sold on the 49ers with Jimmy G at quarterback um, so it is all about how his playmakers play this week, I think. The likes of Debo Samuel, as you say, has been fantastic. But he needs to get Ayuk in the game, who I think is as talented, if not more so, than Debo Samuel. Ayuk's a player I think is absolutely outstanding. Um, Kittle, you know, is not quite the second or third best tight end that we've seen from him over the last couple of years. I'd like to see a little bit more from him. Um, and then this running back corp, which is just so confusing to make out what it's going to be each week, both because of injuries and the amount of um, kind of seven out of 10 running backs they have. They've got like five of them and none of them are much better than the others. So it's, yeah, I'm interested to see what this 49ers offense is going to be, but um, I'm probably going to back Green Bay just because I think that Rodgers and Adams combination looked back to its best last weekend. Hey, Carl, posing views again. Blimey. It's what makes the show know. interesting and loved by 20 countries around the world. So, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just the way it is. All right, one more game to go. Monday night football, divisional game. Dallas Cowboys, um, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I like this game. I think it's a nice game on paper. The Cowboys with an explosive offense and a relatively poor defense, minus, I guess you'd say, uh, Leighton Van Der Esch and Micah Parsons, who looked fantastic. And the Eagles, who were surprised week one, but fell back down to earth in week two against the 49ers, but have got, they're very strong in the trenches. And Jalen Hurts has looked, you know, pretty good so far. Um, Bodgers, we start with uh, the Cowboys, as you know them probably better than I do. What are you looking for in, in this game? And probably to keep that run game going, because um, again, I know we've mentioned it quite a few times now, but that really came out of nowhere to put up. Um, I think it was a 200-yard game or near, nearly 200-yard game on the ground and a couple of touchdowns. Um, you know, we mentioned last week that uh, Brandon Graham out for the season now, who I think is one of their best players on the D-line, but they've still got um, some decent pieces there. And I'd like to see um, the Cowboys really bully them uh, on the ground. Um, I know Amari Cooper is questionable for this game as well, so it's one less target for Dak Prescott to aim at if he doesn't play. But um, aside from that, the Cowboys have got a lot of quality um, in the passing game as well. So if uh, it doesn't work on the ground, then I fancy them to get the job done in the air. Yeah, I think their best their best route forward in this game is probably in the air because I like that defensive line for, for the Eagles. I think they're pretty good at stopping the run, or at least have been so far. So 
yeah, I'd be looking to attack that secondary for the Eagles, get your CD Lambs, get your Amari Coopers um, in the game a lot more. And yeah, just just play around there because I like the Cowboys in this game. Um, I just don't, I worry about the Eagles offensively. As as good as I think Jalen Hurts has been, he's, he's been mostly good of his legs. And then you're looking at, you know, relying on a rookie and Devonta Smith being your wide out one because Jalen Rager's just not done it so far. And, you know, Zach Ertz is out of tight end now and Dallas Goddard isn't really the player that Zach Ertz was a couple of years ago. Uh, to me, it's won and lost on the offensive of these teams and that's where I think the Eagles lose this. It's I really want to see what Philadelphia are this week because as we um, covered before, I think nobody nobody got more than two two catches for them last weekend. And what we need to see is we need to see Goddard putting up kind of eight catches for 70 or 80 yards. We need to see Devontae Smith kind of really pushing 100 yards each game to, to see them as a, a real threat. Um, and Hurts, I've been really impressed with so far. Although, you know, his stats haven't been particularly overwhelming. I think in the passing game, he's looked really solid. So there's definite potential there. Um, but this is against a defence where you'd expect them to put up 25 to 30 points or even more if they're going to be um, an NFC East contender this year. So Hertz really needs to pull something out of the bag this week and get points on the board, which he's struggled to do so far. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's do our final predictions for this show. I'm going to go Dallas Cowboys. Yep, I'm going with them as well. Well, it's nice to finish um, in agreement for, you know, for once in the last few games anyway, because... <laughs> Yeah, well, I like it. Very much enjoyed that. It's going to be a cracking week three. There's some fantastic games to watch there. And as we've raved about earlier, I think LA Rams, um, Tampa Bay is probably the game of the week. Although I'll disagree and say Kansas City versus the LA Chargers. But yeah, really, really good. Thank you for joining me again, Liam. Um, Hope you had a good time. No problem. Yeah, always have a good time on here. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll be back soon. Very soon. Um, back soon as well will be Ollie Broom and Liam Whiting when they've done pissing around uh, different ends of the world. But um, yeah, so if you do want to check out more of us then at 4th and Out Pod um, or get in touch on Facebook or via email at 4th and Out Pod at gmail.com. But that's it from me. Uh, thank you again, Bodge, for joining. Thank you very much. And thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm.